0: Make your impact worth the effort. So the probability of failure, whether you're starting a little tiny business or a really big business is extraordinarily high. It doesn't matter. There's no like low risk starting of a business. So since the risk is so high, make the impact worth it. And when I say impact, I'm not talking about monetary impact to you. I'm talking about impact in the world. Make your life worth something, right? Like, So make the impact so much more than the risk because the probability of success is so low no matter what you
1: do. That's how success happens. From Entrepreneur Magazine, my name is Robert Tuckman. I self-funded, built up, and eventually sold two businesses to major players in the sports and entertainment industry. And I am fascinated by other entrepreneurial minds and what drives high-achieving people. So on this podcast, we're gonna learn what they've learned and what it takes to really succeed. Alex Kinnear is the co-founder and CEO of Upside. You may have heard of them before as they're one of the largest advertisers in all of podcasting. Upside is a retail technology company that connects consumers with brick and mortar businesses to help communities thrive. The company has given over $100 million in cash back to users and over $200 million in incremental profit to businesses. It's a really interesting business model, and you'll learn more about it from Alex today. Alex, though, began his career at Google, developing the agency display advertising team and leading the company's acquisition of DoubleClick. He was Opower's senior VP of product and engineering, and is now also a partner at Builders VC. He has had a fascinating career, and Upside is growing rapidly. But I wanted to start back in the day and ask Alex about any experiences he might have had growing up that influenced him to become an entrepreneur.
0: Not necessarily the word entrepreneur, because I don't think I knew what that meant through most of my youth, but some key elements to entrepreneurship, 100% yes. So, you know, I have to start with extraordinary credit to my mother. So, my father died when I was very young. So, my mom was a single mom uh, raising me. And the first thing that comes to mind is her work ethic. And it wasn't something she ever talked about with me, it wasn't like, she didn't talk about work ethic. I just saw her work and the hours and dedication she put in to 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 make it so we could make it was was amazing. So I think my bar in terms of work effort is is set by her, and I've always judged myself against that bar, which has allowed me to you know, push forward in times where maybe others wouldn't have. So that'd be that'd be the first thing that comes to my mind. Um, The second thing was something that she definitely talked a lot about. So this was more conscious. I don't think I understood why until much later. So my mom, she would always talk about the learning out of any situation. So it was, it was like, I knew this was different about her versus other parents, but she would never celebrate too high on like a win or a test grade. And when I did poorly, she never would get down on that element. It was always, what did you learn? And it was like, it put that focus back on me of of the journey of learning from every experience. And I think that has been extraordinarily helpful and has really images of that have come to life for me uh, through this entrepreneurial journey, because it is completely a process of some highs and lows, but no matter what, you can't get too high because the high is going to be followed by a low. And you can't get to, the lows gonna be followed by a high. And it's what you do out of each of those, which is learn from it. How do you improve? How do you do something different? How do you do it again? That I think is the is the
1: key to this. I love that advice. I love how you said you followed, you just saw, you watched, and kids and children who watch and see it it's so impactful i've heard that a lot on this show and for your mom and the intelligence of not you know the going too high or too low especially for someone who's an entrepreneur building a business where one day you think you're riding on top of the world and the next day everything's falling apart it sounds like she was she was totally way way ahead of her or Time or just the knowledge to be able to impact sounds like it really helped you. Yeah,
0: hundred percent. I mean, I think that the work ethic piece was 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 core to her helping us survive and thrive. Um, and the second piece is more about just who she is. I don't. It wasn't necessarily like a conscious. I think that she was trying to instill in me. I think it's just that it's, it's who she is. And it's also probably, it's what she was doing in her own life to manage the stresses that she, that she had.
1: Yeah. Was it difficult losing your father? And did that impact you in ways? So
0: extraordinarily impactful. Again, I'm going to go back to my mother. I'm incredibly thankful to her because she, she recognized that this was like, this was a real problem. Right. And she worked very hard and, you know, I'm not sure we want to go into it here because, you know, I'll start to cry and probably make you cry a little bit. But That's like, all right. It makes for a good podcast. The but- things <laughs> that she went and did. The things that she went and did to ensure that I had influences of other like full family units and also men mentors. So mm. I was the longest big brother, little brother pair in Pennsylvania, big brother, little brothers history because we found a big brother who was, you know, incredibly influential in my life. Another family that took care of me a lot when my mom was working, the mom and dad there incredibly influential in my life and see you know a lot of the values that I saw in their household. I try to have in my own. And she went to incredible lengths to make these things happen. So here's the story: single mom standing outside of pre-kindergarten, handing out flyers to every every family that walked in, talking about her situation and looking for someone to help, looking for a family that had the right right values that could take her son in after school because she had to work. Yeah, so big kudos to her.
1: Wow, sounds like an amazing woman and and can see how you've come out the way you have and just, you know, with the empathy and understanding and acknowledgement of all those people who've helped you throughout your life, whether it was big brother, big sister, the mentor and just it's so so incredible and, and fortunate after a tough situation. So coming out and, and growing up Pennsylvania and and where was it, where did you end up, or did you go end up going to college? and then what was it like after college just starting out?
0: Yeah, so I I, um, I went to Lehigh University, I studied chemical engineering, and I when I, I was looking for for a job, first of all, entrepreneurship never crossed my mind right financially that was just never something that would cross my mind again i didn't really know what it was i i i knew i wanted i i needed a job and so i was looking for a place where i was looking for a place that would really like let me grow and do lots of different things and and i also wanted something with products that like you know that i could i could uh, relate to and so i went to procter and gamble and you know, there's kind of three three major chapters of my life but Png is a place to to grow up in with a framework of problem solving I think is, is was really valuable to me
1: and in in terms of the other two chapters I don't know if you want to get into that just real quickly going from Png and I want to get to upside yeah I'll talk about upside but in terms of major chapters I understand Png it's it's a great probably learning ground, just the, you talk about a CPG company that is kind of, you know, on top of the mountain, they've always been, yeah. So it's also
0: because they train, it's only a promote from within environment. So you can't, they only hire in at the lower level. So they invest tremendous amounts into people. So, you know, for, like I like to say, like before you could interview a job candidate, you had to go to a three-day training, right? Like that seems obscene in the, in the, right. the tech world where you just throw people into it. So that was chapter one. Chapter two was Google because Google basically took everything that PNG did and had the same, the same like framework to it, but it was like the opposite framework. And because you weren't shipping a physical good, right? So that was like, that really stretched me to be like, oh, whoa, the opposite also works if done really well. And then the third chapter would be, would be venture capital, um, where I got to sit alongside uh, Vinod Kosla and Pierre Lamond and walking into a room with those two and just listening, you know, a shout out to Pierre Lamond, who, when he first met me, said, you're not allowed to speak until I tell you, you can. And it was approximately eight weeks. I just followed him to meeting him. To meet. and, and I was like, not a kid. Like I was, I thought I was, you know, I'd been pretty accomplished. Um, But next to Pierre Lamont, who, by the way, he was like founder of National Semiconductor, you know, one of the founders, the leading founders of Sequoia. And so between Benoît and Pierre, yeah, I guess I shouldn't speak. But anyway, and then one day, like eight weeks later, he turns to me, he's like, what do you think? And I was like, oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> And um, I managed to say something, something intelligible. And so I was allowed to speak after that. Anyway, so those would be the three major chapters that I think really just taught me so much about the way the world works and what my values are and what also values I, I don't ever want to be associated with.
1: Let's talk about Upside and how it came about. And I want you to tell me your thoughts going in and 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 where did the idea originate from?
0: Yeah. So it's going to come back to those chapters. So I'm at Google and at Google, it was this extraordinary period of time, which I'm going to say a bunch of things now, which we just take as you know, commonplace, but you have to go back like 12, 13 yeah. years. So at that time, there was this massive transition happening online where people would just like, they would just buy static ads online. And it was transitioning to, um, we were putting the systems in place where essentially you gave you know, pay for performance was born, where you would give the platform your parameters, you know, ROI, profit margins, and the platform, the algorithms would then optimize for getting you driving as much value, however you determine value in the platform, for as little cost. And they did this by personalizing experience for every every user, right? So you would come to a web page, it would read data off your computer, it would then your cookie data. It would then provide you with a, a personalized experience in content, advertising, whatever, measure everything that you did. And then the next time you came back, it was optimized based off of that. And this concept of economic efficiency, Hal Varian, the chief economist of Google would talk about where In real time, per user, the economic efficiency of this interaction is constantly being increased because the provider of the content is getting more value, and the user is getting more value because shown by they're getting more interaction with that page. And to think about this entire digital universe, which is just constantly getting more economically efficient, was like this mind blowing experience. Because I had just been at Procter and Gamble, where I dealt with merchants where everything was static. Like you walk into a grocery store, every price Wow. every item is exactly the same for you and me and that's like and so it was like mind bendingly different and what really drove it home was um we had you know our two young kids at this time and so everybody with two young kids you're flying home to see your parents as soon, as much as possible and the issue is is like they were in Philadelphia you know Doy- Doylestown Pennsylvania and for all, for those of you in Philadelphia I know Doylestown's not really Philadelphia uh, <laughs> and, and, and so you know we we're fr- flying home from California Uh, Palo Alto to Doylestown. And Doylestown is like this amazing town that's made really special by its people and the businesses in the downtown area. And I would walk into them and I was like, I really care, like really care about the people in this town. And I really care about these businesses because it makes just this such place so neat and special. And I could, like, see the economic value being destroyed for both sides. That mm. like, every price and every curation of items in every single merchant, it's just both sides were losing. Like, there was so much value for the consumers being lost and so much value for the merchants being lost. And I was like, fuck, oh, like, I want to, like, It was this virus in my brain, like I could not escape it. And so every night and weekend and every job I ever had and every holiday going forward, I would just constantly think about this. And it turns out that Hal Varian, in some conversations with him, wrote this white paper, which talks exactly about this. And so I dedicated, like, you know, building this digital layer to bring Hal Varian's economic theories to life to make brick and mortar commerce at more economically efficient. And the goal is to do that across all brick and mortar. So that's that's how it came to be.
1: I love it because it sounds like, you know, it goes back to your childhood and the people that took care of you, right? And and knowing those people, understanding a lot of those people were these shop owners. And it was the goodness really coming from the goodness of your heart because there's a lot of people and you probably saw it in the VC world who could care less about, you know, disrupting a business and worrying about you know, something along those lines. So, I mean, that really tells a lot about yourself. Tell us about Upside. Tell us about the business and how it works.
0: So, Upside is a retail technology company that helps consumers get more value on the things they need every day. So, gas, groceries, restaurants, growing into home improvement, pharmacy, clothing, retail. And simultaneously, it is making it so that the merchant earns more profit on every transaction. So both sides get measurably more value out of the transaction that we enable. And that's what's really different about us. And the mathematical rigor behind that to ensure that the merchant is earning more incremental profit on every transaction is the massive differentiator. And that merchant can only earn the incremental profit if a consumer sees value in it as well and that's through their increased purchasing power. So as more people use it, they earn more, they get more value out of it, which drives more value also to the merchant. So both sides win. The fundamental thing here is is that we we personalize and measure and optimize just like the online world. This digital layer for the brick and mortar world. So we know we take the price of gas and we find the price that made it so that the merchant makes more and the consumer makes more by altering their purchase behavior. The grocery store, we make it so that the consumer can buy more and the merchant makes more than they would have from without us. And so that's the power of what we do. And so it's grown a lot.
1: Tell us about the growth and how people are using it mostly. And I mean, as I said, I've seen you all over. And I've seen the growth just from a, from a standpoint, not looking in terms of the business, but from a standpoint of hearing you or hearing about you all the time. Yeah. So
0: we reach, uh, so we work with about 51,000 merchants and we reach about 30 million consumers. Um, on the platform. And so the merchants, the merchants tied directly into the platform, the consumers can come in through our app or multiple partner apps. So we're integrated into Uber, the Lyft driver app, Current Bank, and a number of other, and a bunch of others coming online. We've delivered over $300 million um, back to consumers in terms of increased value and $650 million back in incremental profit back to merchants. A really key element for us, so we're very proud of those metrics. What we're also really proud of is that We wanted to not just have the benefits be of increased economic efficiency around the transaction, but also leave that when we touch that transaction, leave communities and the world better every time we touched it. And so our sustainability initiatives are also really important to us. And so um, we've offset over 2.2 million metric tons of CO2, which makes us one of the top 10 carbon offsetters in the United States. We do that because we, we work with a lot of fuel. Right, it's because we're primarily today gas, groceries, and restaurant, uh, which is the equivalent of 480,000 cars coming off the year, uh, the road for a year. Um, and as we've moved into grocery and restaurant, we've continued these initiatives, and we've um, we've taken um, we've rescued over 300,000 pounds of food to date with our with our food initiatives.
1: More from our guests, but first a word from our sponsors. Whether you need digital tools so you can bank on the go or you need a one-on-one with an experienced business banker. With PNC Bank, you got it. PNC's business banking team is built entirely around the way you like to do business. Innovative mobile tools that let you manage your cash flow, monitor your payments and more around the clock. Give you the flexibility that every business owner needs. And PNC combines those digital tools with a team of business bankers who are ready to sit down and talk about the unique needs of your business and help you develop personalized strategies to move your business forward. Learn how PNC Bank can make a difference for you and your business at pnc.com slash bank your way. PNC Bank, National Association Member, FDIC. And we're back. Tell me about the decision to go out there and start this business. If you you think back, was that nerve wracking, difficult? So the first thing is this idea, I thought about it for,
0: for close to eight years all the time. And so this wasn't like a quick thing. I needed to ensure that at scale, it would be easy, like a digital layer that makes all brick and mortar commerce more economically efficient. Okay. That sounds pretty cool. But like That's not the hard part. The hard part is step one. Like, what do you do? How do you, how do you actually make it work? So I thought a lot about that. And so it took me years and years and years to find to to, to, for that part of it. The second one is, is it all starts with a team. And I found myself in a place in life where I had, you know, enough from the family side where I could take this risk. And I went to literally the five most impressive people I'd ever worked with. And It's important to note we weren't best friends. Mm. Like It's not like we were hanging out, having beers every night. They were just the most impressive people I'd ever worked with. They were people where you gave them something or they took on something and it always came back better than you ever imagined. And I went to them and I sat down and I said, I had this crazy idea and I explained it to them. And I said, give me one year. Let's go one year. And they said, Yes. Wow. So, you know, we started on this. So I think that was, you know, the really special, that was the special thing that got this thing going.
1: Was there a time starting this that you were facing major challenges and you thought maybe, maybe I shouldn't have done this, or maybe uh-huh. I not 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 as a learning, but maybe I shouldn't have done this and I, I should go to Google PNG. Or... Yeah, never.
0: There were dark times. I mean, there's a story where if you dig back in our Slack channel, all the way back to the beginning of time of the company, I shut the company down. I said like, it's Friday, like, let's come back Monday. We still have money in the bank. Let's come back money and do something else. So like, it got to be that bad, but I never, ever regretted it. I mean, there were times when I was like personally like living in the red and there were things that from a family perspective, we wanted to do, we just couldn't afford where I, I was like, Oh, this made out of the right choice. But I never, I never was like, I should have done something else. It was like just blind faith that, that this from a probabilistic perspective, this was the best choice in life. And, and yeah,
1: was that for you personally, psychologically talking about those days where you couldn't do certain things? How did that feel? How did it impact you?
0: I think my wife and I, we, we did not grow up with lavish lifestyles to say the least. Our parents did, you know, extraordinarily, like they, 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 they provided for us. There are many people in worse situations, but it was not lavish in any way, shape or form. And so I think, you know, the two of us, yes, we may not have been able to do the thing that our friend was able to do, but we both knew that like, it was, you know, we were, we were, we were going to be just fine. So I think our baseline was way lower. So it was, it was, it wasn't painful.
1: Going back to that story, which is so incredible about the Slack channel and I've heard it so many, the, the founder of Lululemon, Chip Wilson, had said they almost went bankrupt five times. Well, you know, it's it's amazing to me. But going back to that story, thinking Friday, we got to figure out something new. How did you come back and move forward and yeah. make it successful?
0: So we made this crazy decision to start this Crazy idea in gas, in fuel, something we didn't know anything about, except that we thought it would be really easy to personalize. Like, we were like, it definitely doesn't make sense to start in like clothing because there's infinite possibilities of personalization. So, obviously, gas is the right thing. Number two is we did some research which said that everybody who buys gas also eats. So, we thought like if we started fuel and then we added food, they would probably start using that. Okay. So, with that genius analysis, we're in gas and me. I'm literally going gas station to gas station and asking them to enroll in this. I mean, comical, Love it, comical. So I had gotten us to like, I don't know, 50 gas stations. And it was like, I was killing myself. And there, I mean, it was a rule. Like I, I couldn't come back to the office until I got another gas station. So I would like leave for days. And so we had this one contract, this one owner who was going to put on 200 sites. And this contract, we, we had given him. And and we had gone back and forth on it for months, and like I couldn't get another station, and it was like, and and so this contract, so finally, like you know, I made this big thing where like if he doesn't sign by this day, then you know we're out. And that time came and went. So like I left the office; because I was so nervous, and I couldn't be in the office because like I was so distracting, I was so nervous. So I went and I walked. You know, we're we're based in Washington D.C., the National Mall for four and a half hours waiting for the cell phone. I was like literally walking up and down the mall, staring at my cell phone. <laughs> And uh, it didn't come. So I came back to the office at like 6.30. Everybody had already left. And I was like, I'm sorry. Like, it's just not going to work. I can't. I failed. Like, I can't get us the customers. And I wrote that Slack message and I said, Monday, let's come back. And then it was uh, around eight o'clock at night. My good friend now, you know, person I, I respect tremendously, who is our sponsor over there, called me and he's like, have you worried? And I'm like, it's like 8.30 on a Friday night. He's like, check your inbox, it's signed. And so I was like,
1: company's back. how good did that moment
0: feel it was pretty wild yeah so and then we just kept putting one foot in front of the other and our results the measurability of the results just carried us from one phenomenal merchant partner to another to now being you know a a national footprint and thinking about
1: international when did you realize or have you because i know there's a lot of entrepreneurs when i ask this question that You know, tell me they still haven't, even though they're running mega companies. But when was that initial moment or thought that, you know what, this is really going to work? And I know you had it, but like, hey, it's, it's actually working.
0: Yeah. So the thing that unlocks this is the absolute rock solid proof that the transaction that we power for the merchant unlocks incremental profit for the merchant. And so to do that, we actually make a product for the consumer where there's more hurdles and steps for the consumer than most people would think is sane. And so the moment like I knew the merchant side, I knew the metrics would hold water with 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 from the merchant side, but I wasn't sure that consumers would actually go through all the hurdles we were going to put them through to make it so that we could unlock value for both sides. And so that my first aha moment was like the First time we saw a transaction, it was like consumers are adopting and then they're repeating, which means the friction that we have created for them is less than the value. And when I saw that, I was like, oh boy. Because well, the product can only get easier to use over time. But if if there's users who are willing to go through this friction for this value, and it's like this, oh my God, that that's a repeatable unit. That would be that would be the first aha. The second aha was the first time it wasn't me, but somebody else had a merchant loving it. And I was like, oh my God, I didn't, I didn't have anything to do with that. It just happened. So there'll be the two elements where I each time I was like, okay, this, 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 this might actually work.
1: I love it. You're talking about gasoline. We're talking about nowadays, inflation, potential recession. What is, you know, advice to CEOs, companies that are going through this and Things may get tougher in, you know, the first half of next year. Yeah. So for
0: I think, first of all, it's like, don't delude yourself that you can predict exactly how the macro environment is going to impact your business. But in times where everything is tougher on everybody, the key is, is to be even more acutely listening to, to your customers, because the thing that sounds even smaller, you need to get ahead of even faster. And that's that's my mindset through this.
1: Yeah. No, that's, that's just you know it's really interesting to think with that because it's such a good piece of advice understanding with what's going on right now and 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 owning that business and i love how it's been a theme throughout your career listening right especially when you were told to listen for uh, eight, 8 weeks in terms of upside and and the time we have left where do you foresee this business if you looked out three or four years?
0: Yep. So it, it's continue to put one foot in front of the other. So it's build out the grocery and restaurant footprint, expand the other verticals that we're working on, pharmacy, home improvement, generalized, re, more generalized retail, including clothing, and international. Those
1: are the steps in front of us. How are you enjoying running the business, heading it up now? As you know going from startup to where you are now
0: on a personal level, so I am thoroughly enjoying it, but for reasons that differently than I thought. I think that the most rewarding aspect for me now is to see this organization, to see the people in this organization and carry out the culture that we've defined and seeing the manifestations of that. So when people join this company, one of our core tendencies is, is that you're never allowed to do what you're told you can't can't do what you're told you only can do what's right so that means you can never let anything pass your own judgment and I think this is so incredibly important and powerful and is now manifesting itself in phenomenal ways throughout the culture and the business because it puts the ownership it's massive empowerment like I have to do what I think is right here and so it, it drives people to seek more information two is I think, it drives it drives a culture of accountability which is reinforced by everyone also being a shareholder and then lastly like it makes it so everyone's brain is fully involved like we can solve problems a lot better if we have hundreds of brains involved and in thinking through what's the right thing to do here versus just doing the easy thing which is what you're told so I get a lot of joy out of an, you know I tremendous joy out of watching that happen at scale and the power of what, can then happen in the world because of that for for consumers and merchants.
1: Last question uh, before I let you go. It's so interesting. You had this idea. You thought about it eight years. It's a long time. A lot of our listeners, folks working in corporate America, thinking about ideas, have ideas. Maybe spent even more time than you thinking about them. What's your advice? You know, for someone now who is thinking about going and starting a business and getting, oh, it's a bad time or X, Y, and Z. Any advice you would give in general to someone who's really thinking about something but is still held back?
0: Sure. So there are five points that I that I hit on, which I think are crucial for, for the entrepreneurial journey. So one is make your impact worth the effort. So the probability of failure, whether you're starting a little tiny business or a really big business is extraordinarily high. It doesn't matter. There's no like low risk starting of a business. So since the risk is so high, make the impact worth it. And when I say impact, I'm not talking about monetary impact to you. I'm talking about impact in the world. Make your life worth something, right? Like, So make the impact so much more than the risk because the probability of, of success is so low no matter what you do. So that's number one. Number two, the entrepreneurial journey is, it's it's a virus of the brain where you have to believe something is possible that, that it, no one else thinks is possible. And so you have to prioritize measurement because otherwise you will just delude yourself. So it's like measure everything. Set goals and measure against it so that you have some rational set of of factors to judge whether you are actually succeeding or not. That is also really helpful with a team because you don't want to develop a culture of personality where people just believe in a human. You want them to believe in the system and the system has to be about measurement. So that's number two. Three, mutual benefit. So when you create something into the world, make it so that the parties that are interacting with it are all benefiting, that you're not trading off benefit from one for another right? Expand the pie, make it so everybody does better. You're lifting everything up. That'd be three. Four, focus. So much can be accomplished with focus. Do not get distracted. The world is a very noisy place, but one foot in front of the other. When you are having a good day, great. When you're having a bad day, great. Keep focusing and executing. Um, And then the last one is enjoy, enjoy the team you're with, right? If you're not enjoying the people that you're on this ride with, it's not worth it. So really, really work every day to invest in enjoyment with the people you're on this great adventure with
1: well alex appreciate you coming on and i could see there there's definitely only upside for you and for your business and uh you are on an incredible journey and i keep can't wait now every time i hear an upside uh to remember our conversation because i learned a ton which uh is super appreciated and uh again thanks for your time Robert, truly appreciate the opportunity. Thanks so much. And that's our episode. If you like what you heard, please subscribe to How Success Happens wherever you get your podcasts. We come out with a new episode every Wednesday morning and you don't wanna miss it. And if you like to share, please feel free to pass along the show to an entrepreneur friend who could use a boost and I could always use the subscribers. And do you have ideas for guests? I always love to hear about great entrepreneurs. If you know anyone, shoot me an email at hsh at entrepreneur.com or on Twitter at Robert Tuckman, that's R-O-B-E-R-T-T-U-C-H-M-A-N, or even send me a message on LinkedIn. How Success Happens is a production of Entrepreneur Media. Be sure to visit entrepreneur.com for insight on building your business, or even better yet, subscribe to our magazine. No joke, I found my first job after reading about a company in Entrepreneur Magazine, back in the 1990s. It's always been my absolute favorite magazine for entrepreneurs. Thanks for listening and spending some time with me today. Until next time, my name is Robert Tuckman, just a fellow entrepreneur and your host. See you soon.